Hello, welcome to the Ramon Foster Show, brought to you by our friends at the Get-Go Cafe and Market. They are open for business, 24-7, serving hot, fresh food. Ramon, what's up? Ah, DK, it's nice outside. Today, for me, is the official short, even though I'm not wearing short sleeves, but it's a light, long sleeve shirt and shorts day. It's that type of weather outside, so I'm amped up. I'm ready to go. I'm having a, having a good time, man. I'm on here with my friends right now. There you go. You can't beat that, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, with the NFL draft coming up in just a handful of days, I don't know that for all the conversations you and I have had and that for all the times that you have referenced undrafted this, undrafted that, <laughs> that you have ever described what draft day was like for you. And in that case, obviously, you know, three of them. Yeah. Uh, how did you handle that? I mean, I'm sure you weren't sitting there for the, in the first round holding your breath. No, I wasn't. You know, and it was always the optimism of, uh, whew, what if they do call my name? You know, <laughs> I ain't going to lie to you. I was in the position to be like, man, I know I did all right. You know, a two-year starter, play a whole lot at the University of Tennessee. And I was just thinking to myself, man, what, what if they did decide to call my name? I was a the guy they reached for, but it didn't happen, man. The first uh, round went by for me and uh, I was just like, okay, well, day two, let's let's get to it. This is where I, I'm slated to fall, and uh, it was exciting. It was uh, a bunch of unknowns that came into that uh, process of of waiting. Everybody, I don't care if you're the number one overall pick, you're still waiting. You just go before everybody else in the waiting game, you know. So, with that being said, um, at the, when I, when I really look back on it, it was uh, lightly miserable. Uh, but <laughs> just being completely real, which, and I say lightly miserable because I'm being more modest now, I was miserable about not being drafted, um, simply because I knew I was good enough. I did know that I knew I was good enough. Um, and once I started seeing guys go and my name, not get called. And I started being like, well, I know why I did more than that guy. It becomes a comparison game. Pride jumps in a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, the questions of why, and you, like I was hinged on a lot of different things too. I just had a child, you know. I, I just finished my college career. Mm. I got to figure out what was the next step for me, and the next step for myself. As we just answered the, uh, you know, the hey moan about what was my other plan. Like <laughs> I was waiting on my name to be called. That was the one and only plan. And for that not to have happened, I was crushed. And I think you, if you ask almost any undrafted guy, they'll tell you, yeah, I get to choose where I was going. And, you know, uh, we're going to make it all peachy for you because we've kind of hardened ourselves to what that process turned out to be for us. But it was miserable. I, it, it sucked for me. And I, it became very uh, personal as Sixth far as round. everything I did. Huh? Sixth round. Seventh round. Yeah. Did you watch each pick? Yeah. I do. Uh, I, I did. You've never um, told me this. Uh, you I sat there and you pick. watched each pick. Each pick. Uh, and each pick, your heart sank just another millimeter lower. A little bit more. Uh, at the time, my, my girlfriend now wife was at work and I was sitting at home with my oldest son, RJ. It started off sitting on the couch and he'd take a nap. And then we started sitting on the floor towards the latter part of that. Um I just remember just holding him. And, you know, when we got towards the end and I wasn't getting picked, like, I, it had been a while, like, before I had cried. 
And I admittedly cried because I felt like I was crushed. Like, how did I do everything I was supposed to do and didn't? And then, you know, of course, going back uh, and looking at it like they, they go off these numbers. They have these pecking order things. My, my 40 time was not great. They didn't care. I caught a nosebleed at the combine before I ran. Like, it right. just didn't line up. Um, I benched 20 reps. I've never been a big time bencher ever. And now I'm looking at this year's draft. It's a bunch of like top 10 guys and just guys in general for this draft opted out of the bench press. So what is the bench press? Like my strength has never been in question. It's just like standardized tests. There's different ways to measure strength. I never got bulled in college. Yeah, no, nobody asked you to bench press Geno Atkins. No. You just needed to keep him off your quarterback. It's crazy because <laughs> I could do like 405 five times on bench, 405 pounds five times on bench, but like repping out 225 just wasn't my thing. But it was uh, the, the idea of hopes and dreams. Like what's, what's, what's next in a world where you're so centrally, your, your thought process is so centrally locked in on having your name called. And it didn't matter where it was. I just wanted it called and it wasn't. And um, I, I it was uh, hardening for me, for sure. And as you know, we talked numerous times in the locker room and that chip stayed there. You oh, had, yeah, I, I can't there. remember half a dozen interviews where it didn't come up. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I'm because I was it, I was out to prove that I belonged, And I've kind of said that time and time again. But um it's a good process. I've learned now to enjoy the, the draft process for these guys that's going through it because I understand the, the idea of your hopes and dreams about to be accomplished at that point. And specifically, if you're one of those guys, and I'll always point to the end of the draft dudes, too, and be like, don't don't let that late round or those undrafted grades that you get uh, deter you from actually chasing the dream, because that's what can happen also if you're not right minded. Now, you also were in contact, though, with the Steelers oh, before that. Yeah. Uh, and so how long did it take to get a call? It was – I started getting calls. I ended up getting calls from the Jets. I ended up getting calls from the Browns. I ended up getting calls from, like, I forget whoever else was that. Maybe the Rams, I think, at the time, too. Steelers, I think, were in, in, in uh, contact with us. Well, what was and that, an hour or two? It was It was about going late six going into the seven. And, you know, they're saying, you know, if this pick is here, we're going to probably do that and – you know, they're giving scenarios and I'm waiting for it to happen. And when Mr. Irrelevant was picked, uh, Ron, I think it's Ron Suckup, the kicker. Yeah, yeah. Phone was blowing up off the hook. The kicker. You know, <laughs> imagine. You the know kicker, what I'm saying? The, the kicker being the kicker to this story. Yeah. yeah wow. A young, egotistical guy like myself at the time who couldn't fit the bill in the Mr. Irrelevant. That's all I want to hell. Give me that. <laughs> um, but the, the ego kicks in and just, um, you go from being down in the dumps to where you're getting 13 offers to come in. Most of them as priority free agent. And now you got to make a decision. Like I'm talking about like fast, like oh, yeah. wh wh where do you want to go? And I'm, you know, trying to figure out what ways better right here, as far as destination team, truthfully money and which they had offered me at the time. Because again, I'm young and I got a little bit of I got a little family to take care of, too. So mm -hmm. all of that played a, a factor in it. But truth be told, Pittsburgh was middle of the road with their offer. Uh, New England. I mean, uh, the Jets offered the most at like 16,000. Um, of course, the lowest offer was twenty five hundred from the Browns. But they were on the phone like they wanted me the most, though. And huh. um, Pittsburgh offered me eight grand. 
That's where it was. I was a priority free agent. Now Pittsburgh is paying priority free agents fifty thousand dollars. So that's how quick the time changes. Oh yeah. So so you were able to to sign slash agree by the end of that day. I was uh, agreed to go to Pittsburgh about thirty minutes after the and even uh, that doesn't draft. change not being taken in the draft. Nah, it didn't. That's, it didn't. That's wow. Wow, the journey, man. Well, we'll 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 have to dive deeper into that too, man. It's a, a whirlwind of an event from highest highs to lowest lows in your professional career. When we come back, the Steelers are heading back to Latrobe. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show, where nothing is ever set in stone. So. When the guy sitting behind this microphone says, coming up next, we're going to talk about the Steelers going to the Trobe. And then we start talking about something else in the break. It's like, why don't we do this instead? Ramon goes, because you already said, I don't care. Let's talk about something that's way more interesting than the Steelers going back to Latrobe. Uh, Moan, yeah. you really tracked these people. Who were drafted ahead of you. I also had not heard this, but now you're required to share. I did. I'm, I'm just looking at the list. I'm going to bring up a name. He's a second rounder. Okay. He's a second rounder. Um, but he was drafted before me in 2009. All fine and Danny. He tested well. The team needed him at those needs. The team he went to was the Cleveland Browns as a second round pick. Can you tell me who the second round pick was for the Cleveland Browns in 2009? That'd be a hard no. The hard effing no. I almost went rogue on you right there, DK. But the guy was David Vicoon. Oh, yeah. The D tackle you ever heard of him? I didn't. You want to know why? Because he only did one year in Cleveland. One year in Cleveland. Here it comes. He and I'm not trashing this guy. I'm just telling you guys, like the draft, nobody really knows what it's gonna be. Nobody really knows how it's gonna turn out. Like, there is no real measure as far as what a person is willing to do to survive when it comes to this type of stuff. And even before then, the top 10 in my class, man, if you ever just went back and did yeses and no's of guys that did or did not do what they were supposed to do at that position, fair or unfair to those guys, when you draft it, whether one or top 10, there is an expectation that you're supposed to perform there. And maybe there's, maybe it's too much pressure. Maybe it's too much of that. But my top 10, Matthew Stafford, I say he's pretty much solidifying himself now. He's done okay. He's done okay. Jason Smith, not much behind that. Mm-hmm. Number two overall pick, kid out of Baylor, man. Tyson Jackson had a fair uh, a career. Number four that year. And I remember watching this guy get drafted all the way through. Why? Because I watched every bit of it. Aaron Curry. Not much of it there. Number five, we know this butt fumble, Mark Sanchez. <laughs> okay. Six, Andre Smith. It'll I remember follow him. him everywhere. What's so crazy about Andre Smith is, is this, man. is um, And that's why I don't think the testing, the, the draft, uh, the times, the lifting, it matters. Andre Smith left the combine when we were in uh, Indianapolis. Just walked he, out? He just dipped in the middle of the night. It, and it was one of the most bizarre things ever that anybody had ever seen because he didn't test. He didn't do anything. And and then you you look and you look around and you see to yourself, wow, this dude still went number six? You know what I'm saying? Like those Overall. Were the, just over, to be, be clear, we're talking about it. We're talking about number six overall. Overall. His teammate or his roommate at the time was Alex Boone. Alex came downstairs and was like, Ma, or he said, guys, Andre Smith left. 
<laughs> and we're like, dude, shut the hell up. No, he didn't. Andre Smith left. And he's just like, what? He was on the phone all night long. He's speaking about his escalated. He had to go pick up. It finally got finished. Like he knew he was going top 10 or whatever the case is going to be. But he just left the combine and still went number six overall. Like I said, fair or unfair to him. The expectation was he's supposed to be a baller and do all those types of things. Now, he did last a significant amount of years in the NFL. So not necessarily a bust. Number seven of your Darius Hayward Bay. DHB. Respect for DHB. Love him. Love DHB, okay? And he carved out a new path for himself also by being a, a hell of a special teamer. Eugene special Monroe, teams captain. Captain also. Yeah. Eugene Monroe, and I'll just finish up the top 10. Eugene Monroe, BJ Raji, and Micah Crabtree. Crabtree probably, aside from Matthew Stafford, out of the top 10, had the highest, I mean, had the longest tenure of the top 10 group. Yeah, and, and, uh, we're, and we're at various points impact players. And by the way, he followed himself up. I didn't realize he was a heck of a recruit coming out of high school. Like the top recruit and still go top 10. I say, I tip my hat to that. Right. But after that, Aaron Maven, no Sean Marino. You got a rag pole, Mike, uh, Malcolm Jenkins solid, Brian Cushing. So, if, all right. So, yeah. you know, we, we could run through the whole first round. We could. Here, and you see, it really is, got me going. The point <laughs> is, though, is that, you know, and, you know, we've talked about this on the show a lot that the, that the bar internally inside the NFL world and NFL players' world is second contracts. Yeah. And if you went through there, not to suggest that you already have, but if you went through there and saw who all got second contracts, even third contracts, the list is extremely short. It's very short. The The hit rate on drafting the guy, man, is, is lower than you think. And we put a whole lot of stock in these draft picks because you, you, you can potentially end up getting a Matthew Stafford for a little while. You can get a Michael Crabtree for a little while or Malcolm Jenkins, a pro ball, all pro guy, because... That's what's necessary. But I also tell you this. You may end up getting a Josh Freeman, <laughs> the quarterback savior for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like those are the things that happen when it comes down to this draft. So we're going to put a lot into it because the expectations are you are the one they're, 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 they're pointing the finger to saying you're going to help this team out. And truth of it is a lot of guys fail at that, DK, right, so wrong, or indifferent. What everybody wants to hear out of this, I'm sure, is like – out of these guys here, how, how many people had like better slash longer careers than you did? Out of that group, it is not many. No, maybe not many. Not even. And and then you got to look and say, well, well, dang, what, what about the rest of the guys? There's so many other dudes, man. And our group had a very notable group of undrafted free agents too, man. Danielle Ellerby, man, winning up, uh, winning a Super Bowl two times with um, uh, the Ravens and the Eagles. Undrafted guy to Georgia, really good friends with him, man. Graham Gano, heck of a kicker in this league, man. Arian Foster, another guy I went to. Terrific st- running back for the Texans. Criminal on a guy like that not getting mm. drafted, but there is no rhyme or reason to it. And the guy still getting it in this league is, is Brian Hoyer. You know, the backup champ. He's the ultimate clipboard holder. And and him <laughs> between him and Chase Daniels, both still in the league, if I'm not mistaken. And this is this is the one that'll get you more than anything. Michael Bennett. He wow. was an undrafted free agent in that group. So the hit rate on draft picks versus undrafted guys, man, it's it's matter of I will say this: the right destination for any pick, the right destination to coaching, and just the right timing. And by the way, there's no way to have this this conversation. We'll wrap it up here uh, before we go to break uh, without mentioning that the Steelers internally did have a third round grade <laughs> on Moan, uh, according to no less an authority than 
scouting department in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. It was like three to five is where I was slated to go, and they did end up picking a third round uh, guard that year, Craig Irving, for sure. Yeah, so everybody's board is different. Remember that going into next weekend. Everybody's board is violently different. Yes, when we come back, Amo. Welcome back. It's time for the Hey Moan segment. And today's comes from Kim Taylor. And she asks, Hey Moan, the 2022 NFL schedule is slated to be released on May 12th. Do players get as excited as fans do about the schedule? Do players do? That's a great question. Um, When the production of the NFL kind of picked up a little bit, well, I'll say from 09 to about 2012, 13, it wasn't a real big deal. It was all oh, the schedules released. Then it became breaking news when schedules were released. And I say this about year, like I said, 13, 14 and on up, man. It, it it was exciting. Simply because you get to see, okay, who are we at home first or are we away? If we're away first during this during the season, then we get a we we get an opportunity to break camp a little bit earlier and stuff like that. It also goes for pre uh, preseason games too. Nobody wants to be there. So that's the exciting part about it. If you can get an away game, the first preseason game in camp, that means the coaches have to let you out of camp a little bit earlier. But as as far as the, the regular season, um, I won't say it's necessarily exciting. I'll just say you get an opportunity to map out how you're going to pace yourself throughout the season. How many away games do you have in a row? When are they in a row? If you got a West Coast trip, are you going there and coming back? And do you have to go to the West Coast again and go to Dallas the next week? It becomes a mm-hmm. balanced type of thing when you look at the scheduling. Now, truth be told, we do just, hey, okay, we got to lock in and just roll no matter what. But to say that we didn't look at first game of the year opener. And and for, for me, I, I love the first game at home. And I've played the first game on the road and everything else. And the reception when you get home is even better. It's, it's still just as good. But if you can open up that season 0-0 at Heinz Field, at your place and listen to that crowd erupt when you're running out of the tunnel, the buzz that you get when you feel we're about to do this, dude. Like all the BS <laughs> is out the way. You know what I'm saying? Like that, like those things right there was exciting. And then, okay, how many games do we have in a row? And, and when it gets to the colder season, I'll tell you is one game. I always looked at when it came down to the season. Cleveland. I was going to say the one that was dead last, right? The one that was dead last. It was Cleveland. Is Cleveland at home or is it away the last game of the season? That matters. And now I don't think Cleveland is necessarily the last game of the season anymore because they kind of switched it up a little bit. But all I wanted was the the first time we played Cleveland, let it be September, October. Because if it hits... December or January, it's going to be a brick outside. It's uh, it, it can get pretty rough up there uh, yeah. around around Christmas time. That's for sure. Let me feed off of that question a little bit. Okay. And, and, and follow up with this. When you found out initially, not your reaction afterward. Yeah. About going to London in, in 2013. Um, now, 
I'm saying not after the fact because you ended up being the team's ambassador over there, literally. And they had you. No, for real. He was you were the designated guy that went over early for all the photo ops over there with in front of Big Ben Parliament. And there's Ramon Foster, (laughs) you know. Um, And who was it for the Vikings? There was somebody from Uh, the uh, the DN. Oh, uh, uh, it's slipping my mind too. But I remember with the long hair. Yeah. Um, we'll have to we'll have to look it up. We'll, yeah, uh, but you went over there and it was. I know you had a good time, but when you found out, when you found out that you were going, what was your reaction? I was excited. Yeah, Alan. Uh, I was I was excited. I was beyond excited because I'm like, we get an opportunity to go overseas to play football in front of a different crowd. I like the experience of it, man. It was it was more of, of that than anything else. I, I loved it. Although the time was a little bit different, we were all in the uh, same place overseas just playing football. I enjoyed that, man. But I'll say this. All that enjoyment and excitement went out the drain because we lost the game, number one. I ended up having an injury right after that. So imagine flying seven, eight hours on a plane with the with an injury back to the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like and, it. And, I like the international games. And the team was 0 4, not to further Ooh, rub it in. That may have been 12. Was that 2012, I think? I don't know. I think Yeah, because I think it was I was over there and I don't remember. I used it as my <laughs> part of my honeymoon too, because I just got married <laughs> like in, oh, right before clever. Yeah, yeah. clever. Well yeah. played. Absolutely. Now I just I remember that room. Oh my God. Yeah, it was the worst locker room. Well, no, the the Denver playoff loss worst locker room. This was one of the worst. But oh, starting at zero and four, but we kicked up right after that, though. Definitely, but and it was the when, birth of uh, Le'Veon as a running back, uh, NFL running back game, also. But when we're walking around, when I'm walking around that locker room after zero and four, and it was a strange room with like lots of different it walls because it's made for soccer, obviously at Wembley Stadium, and that room has. You know, Ben Roethlisberger, mm-hmm. uh, Troy Polamalu, and like all these, like these great players. Yeah. And you're like, you're 0 and 4? Yeah. What? And uh, you just lost to an 0 and 3 Minnesota team? So, you know? So much weight. Oh, not to bring that up. Anyway, um, yeah, this is this has been a this has been a fun week of the Ramon show, but guess what? We've got coming. Next week. Talk to us, DK. That would be bonus moan into next weekend. We're going to do the Ramon Foster show every day, meaning Mm -hmm. into Saturday and Sunday. So what we didn't want to do was have, you know, one night, you know, the first round and then do a show Friday and then just vanish for the rest of the rounds. This is a really, really big deal for this football team. It is because, uh, one, the first round pick is a huge discussion. And not just that, this is Kev's last. Yeah. yeah. So I, we'll, we'll see how strategic he actually is with this draft right here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you like what you're seeing slash hearing, depending on whether you watch on video or you listen to the podcast or whatever, uh, you can – do us a solid here and, and go to Apple Podcasts, even if you don't use Apple or whatever. Go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a favorable review. Uh, it makes a difference. It really does. The algorithm goes up and Ramon's real competitive. He wants to he wants to do really well with this stuff, you know? Breaking necks around, snapping <laughs> necks around here, DK. Still See, got that competitive thinks, Everybody thinks he's nice. <laughs> <laughs>
But I saw him. I watched him play football in Cincinnati games. Well, then, hey, if we meet in public, <laughs> we're good. I promise you, man. There you go. <laughs>